So, Dee, what industry are you in? Textiles, apparel, and fashion. And for which company? Eskel. Name of your store? Pi, and in China also Determinant. How many do you have in Hong Kong? Two. Products sold? We sell mainly shirts and also some tees and polos and loungewear. And how long have you been involved in this line of work? Since birth. <laughs> What was your first job? My first job out of school was as an assistant shoe buyer. And where are you based out of? Hong Kong. Describe your company's values with three words. Making a difference. Describe yourself in three words. Chaotic. Um, curious. And... I think too much. And for a fun one, what is your favorite meal of the day? Breakfast. Welcome to the Asia Society Hong Kong Movers and Shakers podcast. Through the short, interactive 10-minute fireside chat, we get to meet with the leaders and game changers in different industries for insights into their personal journey to success, what they learned, how they failed, and other interesting wisdom they may want to share. Today's podcast is with Dee Poon, Managing Director of Brands and Distribution at Eskel Group, a leading global textile and apparel manufacturer with operations worldwide. Dee is a member of the Asia Advisory Board of Christie's, the International Advisory Committee of Harvard University's Asia Center. She is also on the board of directors of the Eskel Y.L. Yang Education Foundation. In 2014, she was selected as a young global leader by the World Economic Forum and was designated a fellow of the Aspen Institute's China Fellowship Program. Actively engaged in the arts, Dee sits on the International Council for London's Tate and New York's MoMA. Dee sat down with Asia Society's Amanda Tung to conduct the following interview. So describe the first hour of your day, Dee. Um, I guess I wake up and I sort of scroll my phone. It's the world's worst habit, but I think everybody does that. Um, and then I normally eat. I have to eat when I wake up. It doesn't matter if I've woken up late and I have to go get lunch like right away. I still eat at home. And if I have time, I try to do yoga. So like 20 minutes, YouTube. <laughs> and what is your go-to breakfast? I normally eat some fruit and cereal, um, like toast, nothing fancy. In your career, what would you say is the most important EQ or IQ that you've learned? I don't think you can pick one. I think you sort of need both. And what is something that you find true that almost no one agrees with you on? I think that in general, a lot of people say that I'm not a conformist. And so almost everything that I do, a lot of people don't agree with. Um, I, I don't actually think I'm not a rebel or anything. I really, I'm not. But I just think that a lot of times people get sucked into society and what is expected. And I just don't necessarily feel the need to do that. Any advice for your younger self? I would definitely tell my younger self to chill out a bit. Um, I think especially today, we're all really driven and we're expected from a very young age to succeed. But I think it's just, it's a lot of pressure and it's just not true. I mean, life is very long 
And so you have time. I mean, the best advice someone gave me was because they know that I'm always sort of very nervous and like uptight and <laughs> a little, you know, like anxious. They're like, life is long, so don't worry. But life is also short, so don't worry. Right. And, you know, oh, I think that's that's, a, good that's a really good way of putting it. What is a quality that you admire or that you think has helped you within your work? I think I'm really lucky that I um, I get really excited. And so I get excited in both directions, too. Like, if something is interesting, me, it's interesting to me, I get really passionate about it, and then I really want to make it happen. And if I get, if I do something wrong, it also makes me really upset. And in some ways, that's a terrible trait to have. But in other ways, I think it's also a really important learning thing because you're always facing adversity. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people, if you don't find a way to be passionate and find a way to engage and enjoy every single success, you won't really last. And you don't go after things that are more difficult, right? So you're sort of just following along. And so, yeah, I think my um, chaotic personality that has the ability to have these personality swings going up and down and just really enjoying when we've done something, even if it's only part one of a nine-stage process, I think that gives me a lot of motivation. This January 2020 marks the 30th anniversary of Asia Society. What was your first impression or interaction with Asia Society Hong Kong Center? You know, my family's been involved with the Asia Society for a lot of years, so I've been involved or been related to this place before there was an actual place. I mean, I remember coming through here when it was still first an idea and just walking the site, and it's just been really exciting since it's been built to be able to come and like do yoga and hear really thoughtful and meaningful discussions. And also, I, I personally, of course, I love the art. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, just way too many. Mm -hmm. I came for the food. I remember, um, you know, one of my cousins is part of the restaurant and coming in and doing a food tasting. I actually, I, I think the Asia Center has added a lot to Hong Kong, and it amazes me that it's their 30th anniversary. Yeah. So what is it like working in the retail industry? You know, I grew up in the retail industry. My dad is a retailer, and so I remember spending weekends with him just walking stores. And I think when I personally, like myself, when I entered the retail industry, you know, I realized that retailing is is really about knowing, it's, it's really multi-purpose, and it's, you don't, it's not one-dimensional. Like, it's interesting because you're dealing with the customer, you're dealing with people, and you're also dealing with products, and then you're also able to understand how to bring your ideas out into three-dimensional space. And it's, you know, they always say retail is detail. Mm -hmm. You don't understand that until you actually show up, you know? And so I think it's been a fascinating journey for me to have a brand and to be able to open stores in China as both Hong Kong and China have been progressing so much because I've seen so many different changes between how people understand products, how they understand what the shopping experience is, especially because this has been a period where e-commerce has really come to become a force. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's something new every day. And how would you say you incorporate sustainability into your business? Um, Eskel has a major focus around sustainability. Yeah. I mean, we have a 5E culture, 
and our second E is environment. So we got involved in sustainability very early on. So starting from whether it was organic cotton and drip irrigation, we're a vertically integrated company, or specific industrial focuses or technologies along the supply chain, I mean, I think I was very lucky to walk into an organization that already felt very strongly about this. Now, personally, over the last few years, I've been able to take up a bit more because I think, you know, when I joined this company, I was like 24. And so I didn't know anything. And even though you're interested, the reality is, and I, I, in some ways, I don't want to say this because I do believe that change happens at every level of an organization. And if not everybody buys in, then nothing's going to happen. So it really does make a really big difference. And it is important for people at all levels to be creating that change and to be coming up with ideas and to be asking for them, right? But honestly, like I did not have a lot of the skills required to create some of the ideas or in that I had to make them into reality. And so over the last few years, you know, we've always had a sustainability council that has a four-part mandate, um, planet, people, product, and community. Over the last few years, I've really been able to step up on the product piece and try to understand, like historically, again, a lot of the stuff we did was in terms of technical things. Mm -hmm. Now, especially with a brand, and especially with you know many years of creating products for my brand under my belt and trying to being able to market these products, I've taken up more and more of that product pillar at our company and tried to understand how through our supply chain we can leverage different opportunities to really create not just a more green supply chain but specific mm-hmm. green products mm-hmm. that address sustainable goals. Mm-hmm. So I mean, also recently, you know, I think. It's weird because when you come from a place that's always thought about something, you start to take certain things for granted. Yeah. And um, in the last few years, I think it's just become so much louder, mm-hmm. which I think is wonderful and mm-hmm. so important. But yeah, so we've taken this moment also because again, I've stepped up on certain other things to really reassess a lot of the impact of our products and of our packaging in particular to see how we can really create the most sustainable but still seductive yeah. <laughs> you know experience and product that makes sense. <laughs> that's really cool no it's 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 and a lot thank of fun you for talking about that that's really cool like because i know like sharon has always told me about that like how focused you are on sustainability so like i researched it myself right because it's really because i feel like so many like she's telling me which companies like don't do like the stores yeah. that um a lot of retail stores like especially with packaging and stuff, yeah like, well it's really focus. hard it's hard to it's, it's hard really to. hard it's sort of like a conflict of interest you know or like within the i don't i don't know much about retail but like yeah. well it's more just that like okay okay i get that plastic lasts forever. But what is the best way to wrap something and protect it cheaply from point to point? Right. And I feel like a lot of companies don't focus on maybe sustainability as much because that's not their priority or whatever. It's not. And you know, how you guys sort of make that part of like the pillar or the culture of your company. I mean, I'm very lucky. I'm so lucky to have that, and that like my mom was such a pioneer and so thoughtful about this. Yeah. Um, Was she sort of the one who like spearheaded? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, so e culture was 
it, they came up with it in the year 2000. Mm. And actually, the first E is ethics. Oh. So it's about our position on people. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's like, it goes ethics, environment, and then the next three are um, excellence, exploration, and ex- education. Oh, wow, I did not know yeah. that. That's so cool. And they're, they're actually, it's really good, right? That's why you guys have like that um, like big sports day thing. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. That's so I mean, fun. that's like about like team spirit. The entire, it's like the whole company, right? It's the like whole company. We really, it's really, like, it's like the UN. It's like the world game. Oh, games. my gosh. I mean, we have people from Mauritius. <laughs> we have people Olympic. from like Malaysia, just like everywhere. But yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, that's why it was like so easy to get three words, making a difference. That's our, you know, vision statement. Mm -hmm. And we're very clear. It's like, these are our two goals, you know, climate change and climate impact. And then um, I'm forgetting the SDG, but like, like good employment. Right. Right. right? And so we're really clear about what our company aims to do in society or in the communities that we work. And, you know, we have a very specific understanding of what the purpose of a company is. Right. So it's really interesting, like last year, was it last year or maybe about 18 months ago, um, I got involved with a project at Oxford called the Oxford Ownership Project. And they're really, so they basically started with the premise that the world has all these issues. And then right. they give you a big SDG chart. Look at right. them, right. right? And then they say, we all know governments alone can't do this. Mm-hmm. So business is gonna have to play a part. And so this study though, studies the, who they should go after Mm -hmm. to actually be able to make a difference. And historically, people all think that it should be CEOs and management, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's who you you target. Because like top tier, like. Well, right, because they're the people who are in charge. But like the novel, what they realized, the novel part of this study is that it's actually about the owner. And ownership is what really drives management. Mm -hmm. Management is just answering to owners. And so then they realized, wait, there's a specific class of owner that we should really go after. And that's the family business. Because 46 of 46% of public companies globally mm. are family-controlled family. or owned. And something like 95% of like non-listed companies are family-owned. Wow. And so then they were like, wait, we really have to go and see yeah. if... Fa- yeah, and yeah, also yeah. because like family businesses have this very special narrative, yeah, right? Yeah, they do. They're like, oh, we're for the long term. We believe in generations. Yeah, 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 this, yeah, yeah, you know, And they yeah. had say all this. And so what the, they wanted to ask was, okay, well, look, ESG goals and so SDGs, ESG, CSR, all of this stuff is about the long term. Right. Are you really doing it? Right. And so they went and they, there's like five different parts of this study but the first part is this giant like database where they just pulled information and I'm not going to reveal what they did and what the answer is Mm -hmm. because it's still under peer review but it's just it's fascinating and so also like that's gotten me to think a lot more about the framework of ESG and what businesses how businesses understand you know their roles in society and like so the guy there's actually this is the first time in Oxford Business School history They've had two deans involved. So the ex-dean and the current dean of the Said School are both on this project. Oh, wow. I know, it's amazing. Um, But, like, so Colin Mayer, who was the ex-dean, he has a book called Prosperity, and in it he says something along the lines of, that I'm going to butcher, but he says (laughs) something along the lines of, like, you know, assuming that optimizing profit will create wealth is like saying hedonism is going to lead to happiness. Okay. And so, you know, the purpose of a company mm-hmm. is to solve society's pro- problems and address society's concerns whilst creating a profit. That is so prosperity true. and wealth. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I, on the one hand, like I read this quote and I'm like, duh. Yeah. But then you suddenly think you're like, wait, no. 
that's not how other people right. think. Right. And in some ways, if you ask me again this question, that's something that I find like just blatantly true. But like I walk around Central, I walk around Causeway Bay. Yeah. Do you really believe that? No one else believes that. No. They're like, what's the first purpose of a company? Or what's the first point of a company? Profit. It's always profit. But it's not. I mean, even under like, I have not gone back to read um, my Adam Smith, yeah. which I will one day. I've just been too lazy <laughs> in the last like, four months. But like, again, like capitalism is is an infrastructure or system yeah. that leverages yeah. You know the potential for profit right. to drive innovation right. and to create goods and services for society. Yeah. I mean that is the original intent. Yeah. Then we just got really good at optimizing, and we just optimized against the wrong point. Right, right. Do you know what right. I mean? And wow, that's actually so true. Right. Well, yeah. again, I haven't reread my Smith. Yeah. But you sit there and you're like, wait. And so, anyways, yeah. Mm. I mean, I think my family definitely agree, like believes in it, and um, it's great. We yeah. yeah. I've I've slowly tried to find my own way through it. Right, right. It's it's you know, it's complicated because yeah, it's like also it's like all these big things. I'm like, I don't know how to work a machine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you want me to figure out how to do no waterless dye? I don't know any chemistry. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow, that's great. Thank you so much. No, Jane. anytime. Yeah.